Welcome back to the Room Madness Podcast, the place for everyone who's crazy about rheumatology to connect, collaborate, compete, and learn together. If you're just joining this podcast, you are in the middle of our bracketology discussion. This is part two of our bracketology discussion where we are reviewing all of the teams in the left side of the Room Madness bracket. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, please make sure you start there so that you can uh, hear the beginning of the discussion. Uh, but without further ado, here is part two of our bracketology discussion reviewing the left side of the Room Madness bracket. Well, um, Guy, I'm going to call on you again then to start telling us about your team. Um, so we've made it to the last region we're going to cover in this podcast. So the last region at the bottom of the left-hand side of the bracket is the ab workout region. And here we have antibodies before um, developing before lupus, uh, CCP and enolase, and pathogenic ANCAs. And so Guy and the MGH folks um, wrote about this um, article, the Arbuckle article, about antibodies developing years and years before a clinical diagnosis of lupus. So Guy, what do you want us to know about this one? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm happy to be representing um, Mass General Hospital and the winner of this year's tournament, uh, the ABS before onset of lupus. So this is based on the landmark article from, from uh, Arbuckle et al. in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2003. Um, where they looked at autoantibody development prior to the clinical onset of SLE. So this was a, a really intriguing study. They used a massive biorepository uh, that contained um, 30 million samples collected pr prospectively. And what they did was they identified patients with SLE as well as matched controls. And they took a look at their samples in the years prior to the onset of, of lupus, at, the, at which time they were healthy individuals. And they wanted to see what happened with the autoantibodies over time prior to the clinical onset of lupus. What they found was that autoantibodies in general preceded the onset of lupus. Um, and it also happened in a, a particular way where each autoantibody um, happened at a different time. So it looked like uh, the antinuclear antibody, Rho, La, and antiphospholipid antibodies happened roughly three years prior to the onset of lupus, and then double-stranded DNA about two years and then Smith and RNP about one year, um, all prior to the development of, of clinical SLE. Uh, and I should also note that all of those estimates are probably underestimates because there were a fair number of samples that um, the very first sample that was available for the patient uh, was already positive for the autoantibodies. So um, many of those may have uh, become present even years prior to that. So this study uh, is really fascinating from so many different perspectives and is uh, it was fascinating at the time and it remains equally fascinating today. It really sparked the field of preclinical autoimmunity. This was the, the first large study that actually showed um, that the uh, development of autoimmunity happened in a sequential order of events um, and the development of autoantibodies, which are our best markers of the, these diseases, happened as part of that um, that pathogenic development that led to the clinical onset of lupus. Um, now, even though this was uh, a study specifically about lupus, it clearly is, is relevant to much more than lupus. And these same results were replicated in other autoantibodies and other diseases. Um, but it really all started with this article. And in addition to uh, being relevant to our understanding of the pathogenesis of, of lupus and other autoantibody-associated autoimmune diseases, uh, 
Um, this is one of the articles that I personally, and I know many others, uh, refer to on a day-to-day basis when we're talking with patients, um, particularly the the most or one of the most common reasons for referral to a rheumatologist is a positive ANA or a positive autoantibody. And so many of those patients don't have any clinical evidence of autoimmune disease. And it's really because of this paper that now, 20 years later, we still know what to tell those patients and how to counsel them and which patients we should be worried about and at what time points we should be worried about them. So I think that um, this is a truly landmark uh, article in our field. Um, and we know that room madness, blue urban panels love clinical trials. And I think it's going to be hard to beat some of the clinical trials this year because they really are uh, the landmark of landmark clinical trials that we've seen in our field. But I think if there's one team that, uh, that has a, a shot against some of those landmark clinical trials, it's this one. I love it, Guy. Thank you. It is a really good article and uh, an amazing, well-written um, scouting report as well. I do have to say while you were talking, there was already some shade being thrown in the chat here from USF saying that the humility award definitely goes to um, abs before lupus. Uh, so <laughs> Stacy, uh, <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. Stacy and Caroline, um, what do you, what do y'all want us to know about, um, CCPs and, uh, Edelace? Okay. So hi, I'm Caroline. I'm one of the first year fellows at USF. Our article it may not be as well known as some of the others. Um, but we think it's really interesting because it looks back at potentially the very beginning of autoimmunity and how the human microbiome and um, human pathogens can play a role in that. Uh, so basically, our, our study looked at um, the bacterium uh, Porphyromonas gingivalis, which is a common cause of adult um, periodontitis, which uh, having periodontitis increases the risk for rheumatoid arthritis. Um, but they found that this particular bacterium can make a protein called alpha enolase. Um, which, and it has the ability to citrullinate that protein. So it creates something that's very, very similar to human alpha emolase, which is found in synovial fluid and is a target for, uh, antibodies in rheumatoid arthritis. So they, uh, were able to determine that the P. gingivalis by creating this antibody that's so sim, this peptide that's so similar to one of our own proteins can potentially provoke uh, autoantibodies that could lead to the development of uh, CCP-positive rheumatoid arthritis. That's fabulous, Caroline. And, you know, one of the things I love about y'all's scouting report, and honestly, a lot of the scouting reports, um, and this is what's going to make it so hard for the Blue panel this year, is that you your team does an amazing job of demonstrating not just how important this one particular article is, but also why this article asked bigger, broader questions and was so thought provoking. So, you know, this is obviously a phenomenal article in rheumatoid arthritis, but as you mentioned, just the broader field of the interaction of the immune system and the microbiome and how that influences autoimmune diseases. Um, And this is a really fundamental article there. And, um, you know, um, how much emphasis does the panel put on those kinds of things? It's the intangibles of the teams. So um, I just want to congratulate you all on pointing that out. And many of you all who wrote these scouting reports, um, uh, you asked really big questions about um, where these articles have taken us. Um, okay, um, Katie, uh, last team of the, of the podcast, the pathogenic ANCAs. 
Um, tell us why you all yeah. think uh, this article should win. Well, thank you for saving the best for last. I do appreciate it. Um, my name is Katie, everyone. I'm first year fellow at UNC, and I'm happy to talk with you about what I think is going to be the MVP of this tournament. And when I say MVP, I mean most villainous protein. So our article is about MPO and how it has a proven pathogenic role in vasculitis, particularly in the development of glomerulonephritis and vasculitis. Not only is this protein pathogenic and it's carrying the team, but it also encourages its teammates. It gets those neutrophils, it gets those monocytes involved. Um, and this is so important because it's already kind of changed the, I would even say maybe even written, rewritten the rule book on how we treat and how we manage vasculitides and how we're now able to focus more on minimizing the steroid use and using rituximab over cyclophosphamide for these patients. And I think it's going to continue to be a game changer. Um, you know, people keep talking about slam dunks, but I think we forget the importance of that last second jumper. And I really think our MVP, this MVO protein is going to be that Michael Jordan and hit that last, last minute buzzer beater here. Oh my goodness, Katie, there it was. That was the step back three. Really, uh, really brought it, brought it home. This is great. I mean, I cannot tell you all how amazing all of your scouting reports are. And I just really want to congratulate all of you for your amazing work. Every year, the scouting reports are by far everyone's favorite part of the tournament. Um, I learned so much from reading them. I think um, our listeners will learn so much from reading with them and engaging with them. And uh, um, we hope you all learned a lot from this. In our last few minutes, we just got to go around. I just want to hear, um, okay, let's maybe make a rule where you can't choose your team. <laughs> so if your team doesn't win, who is going to come out of this side of the bracket? And maybe what's a matchup that you want to see with um, the other side of the bracket? Um, Stacey, what do, you, what do you think? Who's going to win this side of the, of, of the tournament? So I'm going to go with um, the Enroll team, actually. I am uh, quite convinced by the argument that they made that this was the first time biologics were shown to be successful in rheumatoid arthritis. And these are such important drugs that are so helpful for our patients and have given them so much quality of life. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that team without the methotrexate, unfortunately. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry, you Chicago. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, okay. Who thinks a team from RA revamp is going to win besides Angus? I just want to throw it out. Anybody out there that want to make a call for one of the RA revamp teams? Um, maybe the best article. I mean, we've we've talked about it. I think, right? The best trial, um, and uh, just like compared four different groups and just talked about like early aggressive management of RA. And then again, I just also want to take some attention back to our own article, saying even in the best trial, <laughs> they looked at infliximab and methotrexate <laughs> and kind of looked at radiographic progression. So I just want to add there that uh, the ATTRACT trial actually looked for the first time, looked at radiographic like X-ray uh, changes in RA and kind of found that infliximab and methotrexate were able to halt radiographic progression for the first time in RA trials and kind of set the stage for, I think, X-rays. That, <laughs> that was such an impressive pivot to the team. <laughs> I just want to congratulate you on that. That was really, that was really good. 
Um, all right. Anyone um, going for something in clonal in uh, in clonal selection versus MSU and NLRP three and flamisome, the mechanism madness region. Anyone want to think that's going to win? I'll mention David. I, as I say, I'm I'm not talking about a, a, any future vote as a blue as a future blue ribbon panel member, but just the the dark horse here, clonal selection. Um, I don't know if anybody here on this podcast had read that article before. It wasn't in my fellowship training at Georgetown, but I, I love it. It it comes out and, and describes all the things that we know. It's as if this is a current lecture almost, um, and that it's so important. Um, as Guy said, it's not a clinical trial. Uh, so you got to compare it to the sexiness of something that created a p-value and maybe changed um, how we're doing things right now. It's maybe the the origin story of the left side of the bracket. Mm. And um, as you kind of mentioned, uh, what do we want from the other side? Uh, it's I think it's going to be hard just based on name to take down cortisone, which is our you know daily uh, treatment that cures everything and causes everything, as everybody knows. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll be interesting. The slam dunk winner of the slam dunk contest. <laughs> There's a there's definitely some Nobel prizes that are out there in the tournament, so um, that's that's hard to beat. Um, but you know, I mean, the next podcast might tell us why um, some of the other teams might uh, might prevail. And then uh, ab workout. I mean, I'm really you know, guy. It sounds like has some pretty strong opinions here about um, a, a particular team from the ab workout winning. But anyone never have strong opinions. <laughs> Well, as we've said before, if you want the guaranteed runner-up of the tournament, um, then you should find out what guy who guy thinks is going to win. Um, but so, anyone want to pick a team from uh, Ab Workout as prevailing? So, I, I think I'll, I'll I'll support the underdog, and I I actually really enjoyed the the CCP and Enola's article. I think it really raises a lot of interesting questions. I mean, with a lot of our diseases, we know there's some genetic factor and there's some environmental factor that kind of come together and cause all of these inflammatory and autoimmune diseases in our patients. And really, really ultimately, I think it poses the question whether from a public health, public health standpoint or other standpoint, can we act in certain diseases to stop them from happening? So like one question that the article doesn't address directly, but does raise, if we had, you know, better dental health for, for our population, would we see less RA? You know, I think we already think of tobacco use in clinic as well, but this is, you know, another really important um, risk factor that we can perhaps address. And maybe there's other um, clear kind of preclinical states that we can apply to, to other diseases and rheumatology as well. It's fabulous. I love it. Anyone have any other final burning comments? Um, you got to you got to tell the people who you think is going to win. I'm just curious. I'll I'll just chime in as well um, in favor of the CCP Enolay's um, paper because sometimes a patient will ask me why did I get this autoimmune disease, and 99% of the time. I can't answer their question. And this this starts to get at at that, which, yeah. you know, would be a huge help to me to to be able to answer that question better. So true. We're good at what? We're bad at why. And um, a lot of these articles are actually getting at that. And that's really fascinating. Well, with that, I think it's time for us to wrap this one up. You all, um, 
I um, am so energized by your love for rheumatology and your enthusiasm for learning about these articles. And I think a lot of um, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to learn from what you have taught them in your scouting reports and on this podcast. So thank you so much to each and every one of you. You are all actually the all-stars of Rumadness, uh, the all-star season. And I'm so thankful um, for all everyone on this podcast, all of your collaborators who helped write these scouting reports. And, um, you know, just stay tuned. Um, if you're listening to this in real time, there's going to be uh, more podcasts coming out talking about the rest of the bracket. And then we are going to have some more podcasts talking about how their teams are doing in the tournament. So um, keep subscribed to this podcast. But thanks, everyone, for listening and enjoy the tournament. <laughs>